What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, one of the main dudes behind CanadianGameDevs.com. Uh, joining me, as always, is Steven. Hello. Uh, Steve, where are you at now? Today I'm in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and, which uh, all the names in this province are absurd. Like, <laughs> there's so many K's and they're so long. Um, is it your first time in Saskatchewan? Yeah, I've never been in Saskatchewan. Um, today we went to the Saskatchewan Entertainment Expo in Saskatoon, where we showed off our game Bring to Light, demoed it on Oculus for some people, walked around the show. It was pretty cool. It's a cute little convention. But I'm in a bit of a weird spot where I've been to a lot of like really big conventions, so this feels like it's one hall, two rooms for panels and stuff, so it feels really small, but yeah. that feels good. Is there, is there a lot? Is there a big gaming? Area we were there, actually like... the only game there, oh, okay. interestingly. But um, yeah, there's not so... that many developers in in Saskatchewan. But the big no, one there's is not. The, um, it's like a stick golf game. I forget the. I gotta find. I gotta find the developer. But it's a fairly like they're fairly big like mobile developer. And then there's like a bunch of little dudes. Um, Noodle Cake, Noodle Cake is out there, and and they make this like stick, uh, like golf blitz and and these stick kind of golfing games that i've played on mobile before um and they're pretty well known at least in the mobile space there's a few other developers on there you can go to canadiangamedos.com slash saskatchewan game studios to find out more but uh yeah it's it's obviously not that big of a province and whatnot in terms of population so (laughs) so where where are you off to after that tomorrow we're driving to edmonton uh where we'll be staying for two nights and then we're flying over to vancouver uh and i'm actually gonna go hang out with brett for an evening we're gonna grab a drink hopefully we've been talking about that so there will be two canadian game devs people in one room so that'll be cool there you go yes and brett... <laughs> that's never happened before <laughs> <laughs> brett might show up on this podcast at some point he uh he said he'd be i mean he might have just ran into a really sketchy dude because he was going. Someone apparently has an RV to show him, and I'm sure he'll tell the story. But he said he'd be back on and never came back, so he's MIA right now. Um, but we we continue on without him. Uh, this is of course the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast uh, at CanadianGameDevs.com. We just highlight the games and the people, uh, or rather the games, uh, the Canadian made games and the people who make them. That's the actual phrase. Uh, if you like this podcast or you like the site, check it out. Uh, maybe go to patreon.com slash devs to help support the site where you get some cool benefits like this podcast a couple days early um, and and a few other kind of perks, including the Discord and occasional free game and stuff like that. Uh, we also, if you if you don't have the means to kind of support us financially, that's totally fine. Check out the site, share it with your friends, and maybe give us a review on uh, iTunes and stuff like that. I saw the other day we have like three or four new reviews, so yay, hooray for us. Um, and all positive too. I, I, I don't know who the I, I haven't yet. I, I don't think it's all fives, but I think it's uh, mostly fives, and then like one four or something like that. Let's let's actually do a quick check. But um, Stephen, before we kind of jump in, I guess is there anything that you want to like hype up, whether it's an event or, or anything like that? Um, I'm still doing the Bring Delay tour with Redmeat Games, so we're taking videos at spooky locations across Canada to promote our horror game, Bring Delay. Uh, we're going to post all those videos probably beginning of October, trying to get in on the Halloween build-up. Uh, other than that, there's Halifax Comic Con coming up in October. I'll be there with some other folks from Red Meat. And EGLX is in October, too. I know we'll be there with Canadian Game Devs. Well, you'll be there. Yeah, yeah we're going to be... We have a, Actually, I got an email to do, but we, I, as far as I know, we'll have a booth. Um, and we're going to... Yeah, we're gonna do this. The last time we had a booth, we just I just had I set up like a PS4 with some games for people to play and just hunt out and um and and sell swag and and whatnot, uh, t-shirts, uh, hats, sweaters, um, things like that, and just kind of meet the community and 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 whatnot. It's always good. Uh, I never I didn't get a chance to check out the floor last time that much, and I don't think I will this time either. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I'm just I'm still trying to find us on on the thing. 
my uncle listened to the podcast. He told me about it. I met up with him because he just moved to close to Winnipeg. So when I was there, I got dinner with him, and he was like, "I listened to your podcast." I was like, "Oh, really? Cool." And he said, "Our our detours and." The randomness didn't work for him, but he enjoyed the conversations about games. So that's, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, I think Brett is the is the bigger, the the more um, detour machine. Yeah, he he detours that much. However, him and I are both big basketball fans, so I do I do kind of uh, start start the basketball talk. But you don't like sports, so that won't happen. That's not us. true. Oh, I don't follow. I'm a lapsed sports fan. Okay. Really. I was really into sports in like elementary school, high school, kind of fell out of it. But I still pay attention. I tune in for the Super Bowl and the playoffs and stuff. There you go. Super Bowl will always hold, hold a special memory for me because uh, it was the day we found out that we were pregnant. So, Aw, that's awesome. Uh, we got a review. Zed1372 said on iTunes, this podcast is amazing. Canadian game devs represent five out of five. Yay. We have seven five stars and one four star. Whoever that four star is. We'll find you. How can we improve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, in terms of events, yeah, I got EGLX, same events from the previous things. I don't think anything's kind of swum by my desk. I will say that there are some like monthly events, at least here in Toronto, that uh, happen kind of every month. So every Wednesday, the end, or the last Wednesday of the month, sorry, uh, is Torontaru, which is uh, at a bar. And it's just, a, it's not like a schedule. It's not, what am I trying to say? It's not like a... An elaborate thing. It's not like there's talks or anything like that. It's just a bunch of game developers who kind of go and chat and drink and whatnot. Um, and then there's also the game audio club. Actually, I gotta find it. The breakfast audio club, set up by a friend of the site, Jake Butno. Um, they meet the kind of I don't. It's once a month, I think, and it's uh, it's always in the morning at this coffee shop, and and they kind of just talk about. They just geek out about audio stuff. So. That's in Toronto, and I'm sure there's kind of similar ones. Although I was surprised to hear people on the Discord were saying that in Montreal there isn't that much uh, events going around. No one's really kind of stepped it up um, in terms of setting up events. I think the some of the cats at Kit Fox Games, I believe, were doing mm-hmm. some of the events, but then they kind of stopped to kind of focus on their games and whatnot, and, and then no one's kind mm-hmm. of picked up the slack. So if you're in Montreal and you're a game dev, uh, there's there's apparently some room to, to host some events and things like that, so... Check it out. Um, I think we can just go straight to news time. Sounds good. Number one, Rogue Star Rescue announces their Kickstarter. I think it's actually already out uh, at the time of this podcast. Uh, Windsor developer Shoot Apps uh, has launched a Kickstarter for their roguelike tower defense game, Rogue Star Rescue. Uh, the game's actually released on Steam right now. Like You could go and p- uh, play it on Steam early access. Uh, we wrote about it uh, a, couple, a couple months ago. But they're looking at Kickstarter to kind of just, you know, fund the rest of the game, get it released. Uh, they're they're aiming to release it on all major consoles within 2020. So, quote, it's time to bring roguelikes to the next level. Rogue Star Rescues, a unique mix of bullet hell roguelike and tower defense games. We're adding the strong strategy element to all the all-out insanity of bullet hell shooters. The action is smooth, the gameplay is challenging, the story is complex and non-linear. It's a game you'll get sucked into and will end up spending months exploring the multiple intricacies and outcomes. Keeping the game fun well past the 50-hour mark is our core design focus. Um, I think there was like a... There, I've noticed this a couple times actually, and we talked about this on the last Kickstarter we spoke about. There was like the early bird special. I didn't know... I guess that's kind of newish. I, I didn't know the Kickstarters were doing that, but I think the early bird special is kind of over for this one, but $20 kind of gets you a Steam copy uh, of the game. Um when, and it'll get you the early access right away and then and then the full kind of game when it comes out so you can check that out um i meant to i think i actually own this so i'm very excited because i picked i'm not as people kind of know and, and maybe if you're a first time listener you don't i'm not a big pc guy um and it's mostly because i just don't really have a gaming pc and but i finally bought a laptop like a brand new laptop it's not a full gaming pc it won't be able to play like modern warfare in the highest settings or whatever but it will be able to play um you know I, the the person that i kind of recommended that i buy owns the laptop and he was able to play borderlands 3 and i have like kind of the next uh like the better version of his laptop um so i'm actually kind of excited to get into a little bit of pc gaming here uh, and so I might pick this up. Um, yeah, that's it for that. Number two. I, 
I like. I just want to say I like the early bird idea. It's something I see a lot of games on Steam do, where there's like a launch discount. So like for the first twelve hours, it's ten percent off. Yeah. And I I think that helps drum up hype at the beginning because a lot of Kickstarter campaigns run into trouble where like a lot of their hype and support comes in like the last twenty four hours, and that's not what you want with a Kickstarter. Um, and with, especially with launching your game, like a lot of people will wait for sales, so they won't buy it. But if it launches on sale, that encourages people to get it. So I think that's the psychological reasoning behind it. Yeah, I've heard for the Kickstarter thing, like all of your funding either comes in the first kind of couple of days when when people announce it and like the hype starts, and then the last twenty four hours because basically people and and I've had a lot of people tell me this where they like they don't really go to fund a game unless it's like really super close to being funded because if a game is like 10 percent, you know towards its goal with like a day left then you just don't bother whereas if it's kind of if it's past the goal or if it's um or if it's very close to the goal then they kind of like contribute and they only do that kind of the last like day or two but then I think when you when you do that, you kind of miss out. You might like forget about it. It doesn't jump on your radar or something like that. So they gotta. I've heard the distribution of funding is kind of a little bit weird on Kickstarter because it just mm-hmm. yeah you get you get the super fans and your friends and colleagues and, and friends and whatnot to do it at the very start, and then everyone kind of waits till the very end to see how you how you did, I guess. Yeah. And the same thing, yeah, with with Steam games, and I mean I do it all the time where. If a game comes out and I'm interested, but I can't pick it up right away, and then like I, it, it's a month later, then part of me is just like, ah, if I wait a little bit longer, you know, then I could just get it on sale. Yeah, um, I don't think PlayStation really does the they. Some games do it like a launch discount, but not a lot. And not my favorite thing PlayStation did was, do you remember the Days of Play every summer for the past couple summers? Because yes. all those games I'm usually really interested in, and you get like a fifteen, twenty percent off pre-order. I got some amazing games through that. Like I remember they did the Swapper and Headlander, and uh, uh, I'm forgetting some now, but lots of good indie games. So I-, I wish they brought that back. I don't think they did it this summer. I don't think so. I, I feel like the Days of Play. I wonder if I just kind of Google that. Um, yeah, I feel like I haven't. I, I know what you're referring to. Oh, Days of Play 2019. I guess they did. Did that. I miss it? Maybe Dang. I missed it too. Let's see. Oh no, the Days of Play was there like. Um, they just have sales on like they. It's kind of gone from just like the indie games to just like everything. Like they had a sale on PlayStation Plus, on PlayStation Now, on controllers, on VR, on the PS4 Pro. Ah, oh, that's not as cool. And they probably just had digital sales, but they didn't have. They didn't like highlight like four or five indie games that were coming out. I guess. That's a bummer. Shout out to Xbox in the summer of arcade way back when for being cool. Do they still do that? No, they stopped doing that a while ago. But I remember that because that was like how I found Super Meat Boy and Braid yeah. and Lim- Limbo was one part of that. Some really, really cool games. That was like kind of the first... Xbox took... Or Microsoft, rather, took the very first steps into kind of really highlighting indies. Especially um, on consoles. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, like all those, like Limbo, Castle Crashers, um, Shadow Complex, uh, you know, a lot of those... Super Meat Boy, a lot of those great indie games at the very start, like didn't even didn't come to PlayStation uh, either at all, like in Shadow Complex, or they came super late, like Limbo came like a couple of years later. Um, mm-hmm. So they really kind of took the first uh, first steps, and then I think now I think I feel like Nintendo's probably doing like Nintendo indies or indies on Nintendo just seem to be killing it. I'm surprised that Nintendo's the only one who's had the humble bundle stuff. Although they haven't done it in a long time, but I've been kind of waiting for that. Um, PlayStation, I feel like with PlayStation selling like the highest, they've just kind of given up on a lot of like selling and like doing some customer focused things. Like they, the whole crossplay stuff is solely is just a problem because PlayStation has sold the most consoles, so they're just like, we don't need to open up crossplay. Why do we? Why would we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, I should I should have mentioned at the top, but if you are a 2D environmental artist or uh, a 2D puppet animator, I don't, I don't know what that really is, but 13 AM Games, they're the developers behind um, Runbow and Double Cross. They're releasing Dawn of the Monsters sometime next year. They're looking for a 2D environmental artist and a 2D puppet animator to join the team. 
So you can go to canadiangamedevs.com uh, slash jobs, and you'll see the post in there. Uh, you can email uh, your resume, your portfolio, or cover letter to uh, to the 13 AM, game, AM Games guys. I, I will stress this because I have to kind of say this every time that someone, like, you know, that if we post a job, we're not affiliated with the developers. Sometimes I've gone the resumes and stuff like that, and I just kind of forward them. Um, we're just we're posting these on behalf of the developer or whatever. So uh, go to canadiangamedevs.com slash jobs. Maybe just save that site because we'll, we try to post jobs there as, as often as possible. And if you're interested in posting your own job there, uh, hit us up. But good news if you're an environmental artist uh, or a 2D puppet animator. What is a 2D puppet animator? Is that like anima- like the character animations? I'm about to Google it because <laughs> I feel like I should know that and I don't. Where's Brett? Yeah, I feel like Brett should know how to do this. Puppet animation is the development of stop-motion animation. Rather than using objects in different frames, puppets are introduced due to their... Oh, that's yeah. So it looks like it's a form of stop-motion animation. Oh, there you go. That gives us a little bit of hint into, the, I guess, the animation of the game then. I love stop-motion. Yeah. Cool. Number two. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey Discovery Tour Ancient Greece is out now. This is a free DLC pack. It's uh, it's a I think they did this with Assassin's Creed Origins as well, but basically it's a kind of a history sort of add-on for Ancient Greece. Um, so history is your playground and Discovery Tour Ancient Greece, where players can take guided tours or freely roam around the rich open world of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, free of conflict and gameplay constraints. From the heights of snowy mountains, peaks, to the depths of the Aragon Sea, players can explore an entire country full of untamed environments and cities during the Golden Age of Greece. From ancient ruins to famed statues, they will come face-to-face with legendary Greek figures and discover the truth behind the myths and the legends. I feel like the game had little history things in it, but I guess this just sort of takes away like all the combat and, and enemies and stuff like that. And if you're just like a nerd for ancient Greece, I guess you can just go ham on that and i don't mean that as a as a negative way because we're all nerds but uh if you're a big nerd for for this sort of stuff this might be up your alley and i think they did the same thing with origins too with uh with, they did with the, the educational show. mode yeah um so there's a trailer on the site you can check it out uh it is free it's available now so check it out and assassin's creed odyssey i mean we've this this game Again, they just kind of keep pumping out stuff for it. Like, I don't know if this was planned or if this was known that they were going to do, but when I got the press release, uh, I was just like, Jesus, they keep, like... I thought we were done with the DLC, because actually the last episode for the last DLC, paid DLC, came out. Um, but I guess they still just kind of keep pumping pumping stuff into this game that's just kind of nonstop. They want you to play this game forever. Yeah. Or at least until the next one comes out. Yeah, exactly. And there's no Assassin's Creed this year, or new new Assassin's Creed this year, so maybe mm-hmm. we still have another year of DLC. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're just gonna let it sit and let Watch Dogs pad out this spring. Do you have um? Do you have the UPlay? Uh, there's plus. The, yeah, UPlay Plus. I didn't get it. There's a free trial, and I was gonna wait and see if Watch Dogs was part of it, and then like maybe play it for a month when it came out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think, uh, I mean, it'd be smart of them to, to kind of do the, like, have Watch Dogs just part of it right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that's a, what Xbox is doing with Game Pass. Yeah. I really like that. And, I mean, EA does that at least on a trial basis. <clears throat> like, NHL 20 just came out last week or this week. Well, they just put Anthem in it. I so. know. I saw that. <laughs> oh, man. Anthem, usually I'm... Anthem is a bad game. It's just straight up not a great game at all. It's very yeah. It's super disappointing to play. Like you, I was I went in with open minds because I played it uh, only a couple months ago. So I I played it well after it came out and, and got shit on by the internet. And I usually mm-hmm. go in with an open mind with these things, but that game is not fun whatsoever. Is <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I, I played a bit of the demo and a bit at a friend's house, and and that's a very fair assessment. Yeah. I went onto their subreddit actually just today because it just kind of came up or whatever, and I just because they just had the cataclysm event. I just wanted mm-hmm. to see what what the general consensus was, and people were just shitting on it again. So nothing nothing's changed. It sounds like the loot's still just broken. It's just a boring game. Just let Bioware make Mass Effect again. That's all I want. Isn't it infuriating that 
they didn't get that Star Wars. Um, what's the one respawn is working on? Uh, the... Oh, the the that uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, isn't it infuriating they didn't give that to to Bioware to to do? <laughs> they also canceled the other one at the other EA studio by Amy Henning, the Uncharted director, which yeah. I was pretty excited for. Yeah, why? Like, and then they and then she left the studio, so she just like wasted like three years of her life or two years of her life just. Like, she hasn't mm-hmm. released a game since Uncharted 4. And actually, no, three. wait, 3, you're right. Yeah, 3. She they, they cut her off for. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, Uncharted 2 and 3, and uh, did she have a part in 1 and Last of Us? Um, she didn't have a part in Last of Us, no. Her last, she did a lot of research on 4, and then they fired her, and then basically rewrote the whole game, and yeah, it was bad. So, I mean, I wonder what she, like, where is she now? Right now, I think uh, I'm pretty sure she's not running out of options. So I think she'll she'll try and set up something that she wants to do, and she thinks will come out. She'll just, just do a ma- thing. That's just what I'm thinking. By the way, I know you're a big uh, Last of Us fan, which is why I, like I am you more than Brett. Uh, they have yeah. their they have their Last of Us event. Last of Us, yeah, event soon, press right? event. Yeah, that's Friday. This Friday, the 19th in LA. Ooh. Or wait, that's Thursday. Ooh. Wait. Maybe it is Friday. It's this week. But yeah, so I'm sure we'll see a lot more gameplay. Uh, maybe a release date, but I bet they'll save that for E3 or their next state of play, whatever their like direct clone is. I forgot the name of it, yeah. I think it's state of play, which is awful. It was really bad. Like The last one was really bad. I like the first one because it was very VR-focused. Mm-hmm. Like, Yo, this is dope. <laughs> I can use my VR. They showed off Iron Man. It looked awesome. And then... I don't. Yeah, I don't remember even what was in the second one. I think they showed um, they showed that that animal game that's uh from a developer out in the Atlantic. I forget what it's called, Away or whatever. I forget the name of it. They they showed that, but very underwhelming because it's just like eh, whatever. Um, yeah, she uh, Amy Amy Henning last worked on 2015. She was a writer on Battlefield Hardline. Really? Apparently. Interesting. Maybe a name only. Who knows? Um, 2011, she was a story consultant for Golden Abyss, Uncharted Golden Abyss, and she was the director-writer for Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, which was also 2011. So she hasn't had a significant... Who knows what her role is in Battlefield Hardline, but let's just skip Mm -hmm. that over. She hasn't had a significant game uh, on a resume since 2011. And it's just... like I wonder if she's just left the industry. No... She loves it too. If you listen to, she does a really good interview. Uh, I think it's Tone Control with. Uh, I'm gonna look it up quick. It's Tone Control with Steve Gaynor. I think he does the. He made Gone Home and Tacoma. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's sorry. either yeah. So sorry. According to Wikipedia, she announced the following June that she in 2017 that she had left at EA in January and started a small studio to explore options involving virtual reality. But that's like, if she started that in January, that's like three years. That's almost that's coming up to three years. So you, you that's how long it takes to make a game. Uh, yeah, I know. You imagine we might be seeing something from her in twenty twenty at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Not a not Kinda, a game release, but like a trail, like just to get an idea of what she's been working on. I guess. Yeah, I say that as a big fan of hers because Uncharted is awesome. So it is. Yeah, I want to see what she can like. You know, what else she can do. Uh, and she's made, you know, she was part of the Legacy of Kane. She was part of Jack 3. Um, she's done a lot. Sorry, I, I interrupted that she was on, like, a podcast. Yeah, uh, when you were like, what if she left? And I was like, no, because I listened to this podcast with her talking about her experience in the game industry and why she loves it. And I just can't imagine her, like, lis- listening to her talk about it. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine her doing something else. I'm going to find this podcast. So I listened to Tone Control. It's not running anymore, but it was by Stephen Gaynor, the developer of Gone Home. And he had, it was on the Idle Thumb Network. Right. Are you familiar with uh, Idle Thumbs? I remember I, the name peak, or the name is definitely familiar. I feel like uh, I'm just Googling it now. <clears throat> Idle Thumbs Network. I don't, know, I don't think it's Sound Control, actually. It might be... They have another podcast. Yeah, called... I feel like I've listened to some of the uh, podcast part of it. Uh, no, it's uh, Designer Notes on Idle Thumbs. Designer notes. Yeah, so they did a two-part interview with Amy Hennig uh, in 2016. Uh, that's really, really interesting. And anyone who loves Amy's work or just wants to learn more about getting into the video game industry, 
is a really interesting two-part interview uh, on Designer Notes by Idle Thumbs with Amy Henning. If you search all that in Google, you'll definitely see it. Yeah, I just found the... I'm looking at some of the more recent uh, episodes. Brandon Chun, mm-hmm. Rami Ismail, mm-hmm. Hawking. Clint Hawking just got recruited for Watch Dogs Legion, so... Oh. Yeah. He left for a bit. He made Far Cry 2 with them, and I think... According to Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow as well. Yeah, and then then he went left, and then they recruited him back for Watch Dogs Legion, so I think he's the creative director. I'm actually very excited for Watch Dogs Legion. I it liked, looks out there, man. I don't know. I, I really liked Watch Dogs too. I had a lot of fun with it. the 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 um, the the story was kind of weird because it was very like you know like anti government and like anti like anti corporation stuff. But you're also you can like kill people and shit, and it it didn't really match the theme of the of the like the open worldness didn't really match the theme of the um, the game itself, but. I think I thought it was like super fun to like hack stuff and and whatnot. Even though the hacking's like really simple, and now Watch Dogs Legion is just like, hey, you can just be anyone. You can just be this granny assassin, and it's just very. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm interested to see how it pans out. Yeah, all the watch, all the. I'm a cynical lapsed Ubisoft fan, but they all kind of start to blend together. Collect all the hundreds of things around the map. Go up to the top of the towers. Fill in the map. Yeah, I mean, and so if they can mix that up, that would be really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, we kind of spoke about it, like how they want you to play it for a billion years. Like it's it's kind of true. Like that game is just had so much shit in it, but really, it's just so much fluff. Like it's just it's, it's just, quantity over quality. Yes, and that's not to say Assassin's Creed Odyssey wasn't a really fun game. Like I had fun with it, but man, does that shit drag on. Like it really, it's just really, really. Uh, like stretched out, and I remember Brett and I talking about how like they can never go back to the old Assassin's Creed kind of game where it's like a much shorter and smaller world, even though it's still big. And I think I read a report this week or last week that says like they don't plan on making any small Assassin's Creed games anymore. Um, mm. I don't know if they were talking about the two D games and stuff like that, but because I didn't read the article, but basically, I think they're looking at like. With, with Origins and with Odyssey, I think they're kind of treating Assassin's Creed as their giant, epic, like... Assassin's Creed Odyssey is, like, almost pound for pound, like, on, on Witcher 3 levels of content. Like, just so much stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, speaking of Ubisoft number three, Rainbow Six Siege Operation Ember Rise uh, is now live. Uh, this is part three, I think, of uh, the year four of Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, it comes with uh, two contractor, two new contractors or operators or whatever they're called in the game. A reworked map of Canal and various gameplay enhancements. Uh, there's a, there's a trailer on the site. I'm guessing that you probably, if you're a big Rainbow Six fan, you probably already know about this. Um, Year four. Yeah. This game came out in 2015. It did. Holy cow, dude! I have not been paying attention to Rainbow Six. Like I remember it came out. It was mixed reviews. Yeah. And they just kept pumping content into it. The esports scene got really big. And then it started showing up in like highlight reels, I would see, if people doing cool stuff where it's like 5v1 and they come back to win it. So, man. December, I can't believe it's been four years. December 1st, 2015. Holy cow. Good on them for sticking with it. Most, like, I could see EA just like dropping Anthem as soon as it's not popular or profitable. But Ubisoft stuck with it and just kept pumping money into it uh, i'm sure ea is ready to drop anthem like right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> them Wasn't adding it to success. ea access is probably the last thing they'll ever like do with it oh man but that's cool though september 18th that's that's in three days probably yeah. by the time you're listening to this yeah yeah and i got back i got into uh rainbow six siege like not too long ago um i was very bad at it but it's it is like super tight super like can be really hectic like you when you see that kind of like 4v1 or whatever pop up mm-hmm. kind of, you get stressed or whatever it's like they've done a really good job with the game i didn't play it you know this is now after three and a half years of patches and reworks and new mm-hmm. content added to it uh i didn't play it when it first came out uh that's my dog barking in the background um hi <laughs> but yeah they they had a lot of stuff and interestingly enough 
for people who care, which is not you, I'm sure, but they totally reworked the trophies to this game. There used to be a bunch of trophies tied to like the the single player stuff, and they they kind of mapped it all to like online specific things. And it's just mm. like half the trophies of the game are just different are just different now. Yeah, Overwatch did that too, which I was kind of disappointed in because I got some of the really hard trophies and they changed them. I was like, ah, now it's not as impressive. My my understanding with the Overwatch is because they changed, like for Mercy, for instance, they changed mm-hmm. like how Mercy's uh, thing worked, like her specials. So the trophy yeah, was so like the trophy impossible. description had to change. Yeah. yeah, but even then, like I did it when it was hard, and I wish it <laughs> was still hard. Rainbow, so Rainbow Six Siege, like there's a few, and I was looking this on on the the PSN profiles, which is a great site. There's a few trophies that are now harder, like get five flawless victories in ranked. Um, so in order to get to rank, you had to hit like level thirty or forty or something, which requires twenty thirty hours of of um, of playing, and then you had to get five flawless victories, which is really hard because it's ranked and it's all the serious players. But that trophy is tied to a really easy trophy when it first launched. And you can actually, if you have the disc, which I do, you can delete the game and then just disconnect the internet and just put it in the game and play, like, the version 1.0. And all the old trophies are still tied to, the like, the original one. So I think for that trophy, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but basically that trophy... No, yeah, that makes sense. That trophy is tied to, like, beating, say, the fifth, uh, like, single-player, like, level. Hmm. And so you can just do that with the 1.0 version of the game and then update everything and it'll just still be the same trophy for Game 5 Flawless Victories. So apparently the Platinum is now actually very obtainable with this game and I've been kind of want to try it again, but at the same time, it's not really like my cup of tea. Like I I do like the occasional online shooter, but I'm not that great at them and and it's it's usually short-lived. I'm not going to say I'm above doing different versions to uh, get a trophy because I did that with Uncharted 4 because one of the speedrunning trophies there was like a save file glitch you could do to do it really easily and I did that but didn't oh, feel yeah. good but I did it the, um, there's one for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4 where you have to beat the game on like veteran or hardened or whatever the hardest difficulty is mm-hmm. but the did you ever play that game the last level with the um, where you're in the plane and you have to like get through the plane to assassinate someone, then you jump off. Um, I think so. It was a while ago. It's a super hard mission in general because you have a timer, and then on veteran or harden, it's even like it's more ridiculous. Like because you because um, you only have like a minute or something, and it's very you got to be like very precise. Uh, but basically, there's a glitch where you can just play the game as on easy, and then get to the last checkpoint quit the game, and then load it up on Harden, and mm-hmm. then just beat it on Harden, and then uh, and then you can just, it just counts as beating the level on Harden, and I did that. I love that. <laughs> and I posted on the PSN profiles, I posted, like, you could still do it with the latest update, because the game updated, like, while I was trying to do it, and I was just like, oh god, I hope they didn't, like, patch this, and it still works, so I just, I just gave an update. And it just started this whole debate about how the trophy's like not, you know, it's it's like fake or whatever now. Like it doesn't really count, and it's like it's just it's whatever. <laughs> it's just all dumb stuff, anyways. Perfect. Uh, number four. This is why Brett needs to be on the uh, episode. Dune C release date's announced. Uh, this is Toronto developer Frolic Labs has announced release date for their goose flying adventure game Dune C. It's a game that Brett worked on, and our and our friend uh, friend of the show. Um, uh, oh man, Jake Budno as well did the sound for it. Welcome to Dune Sea. Take flight as a, ge- as a goose who finds itself in a vast desert separated from its flock due to a catastrophic event. To survive, you must fly across the beautiful landscape of a strange and foreign land while navigating to collect items and avoid predators in order to safely rejoin the flock. Um, Brett was a game designer on this game, so full disclosure, but I was hoping he could talk about the game, but he's not here. Uh, but it's on Steam, so you can wishlist it and you can pick it up on October 10th 2019 the price is unknown at this time but i'm sure it'll be around the 10 to 15 to 20 dollar range i don't have anything else to say about it because i didn't work on it yeah it looks fun i'll definitely check it out i played like an alpha version of it at last year's eglx actually um 
and and I I had fun. I'll pick it up with my new gaming PC, which I'm excited to get. Yay! <laughs> Number five, Dauntless Aether Unbound 1.0 launches September 26. So Dauntless is the free to play kind of Monster Hunter clone released by Vancouver based studio Phoenix Labs. Uh, it is in, technically in early access and will be going to 1.0 in on September 26. Uh, CEO Jesse Houston wrote on the official website in 2014 we started Phoenix Labs with a vision we were seven developers who believed in redefining the way players shared their gaming experiences now in 2019 we're over 100 strong and you the Dauntless community has been with us every step of the way September 26 marks a special celebration of Slayers everywhere Dauntless will leave early access and launch 1.0 with its latest patch 8th year Unbound as we look back on the last five years we reflect on just how amazing the journey with you has been on behalf of everyone at Phoenix Labs thank you for joining us on the venture uh, it'll, it'll come with uh, new strikes, uh, a new monster, the bounty system, and much more. Um, we were just talking about Amy, how it's been three years and mm-hmm. no game. Here, this, these guys have been working on this game for five years, and it's just mm-hmm. leaving early access. So there you go. Games do take a long time. That's a, that's a wild ride. That's a wild ride. Uh, I, I I think the I, again I've said this before. I like Dauntless, but. It's just kind of shallow. There's just not much to do other than fighting the monsters. Um, I'm hoping that this this update kind of gives you a little bit more, uh, a little more story, a little more kind of just extra stuff to do. Because um, I really do like it. It's 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 really smooth. It's really fun. Monster Hunter is much. It's like much slower with the combat, whereas uh, Dauntless is it's a lot faster. It's more like Devil May Cry with with like big monsters. Um, mm-hmm. And that's more my jam, even though I played like 90 hours of Monster Hunter. Um, so I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll play it on September 26th. I'll, I'll be streaming on Twitch. Uh, so it's out right now on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And the Nintendo Switch version is scheduled to release later this year. Nice. You, but you weren't big on Dauntless, eh? Because we played it a little bit. Yeah, I get it. It's not my kind of game, but I definitely really appreciate what they've done with that. Yeah. Um... There we go. Number. Oh, wait. actually, that's the last thing. I think that's the last thing. Yeah, because I wrote that today. That's all the news. Steven, what kind of games have you been playing? So, I downloaded the free Kirby game on my Switch, right. and it's really bad, and I don't like it, <laughs> which is a bummer, because I really like Kirby, but it's Super Kirby Clash. It was announced during the direct. It's free to play, which means that there's all this waiting and extra currencies and microtransactions. Uh, and I know, right? It's like a boss game too. Like you don't even play the levels like in traditional Kirby games. It's a four-player co-op online or split screen, and you just sort of mash a boss, and then it dies, and then you get jam apples that you can use to buy swords and helmets, and it's bad and. But that's okay, it was free, you know, no money lost. I just played it, didn't like it, so hopefully someone else can get something from it. But that's a bummer, because I really like Kirby, and it was one of my favorite games as a kid. And and looking back, it's an extremely easy game, so now I understand why I probably don't like it as an adult, but even then, they're still not making great Kirby games. Yeah, it's, uh, did you play the Switch Kirby game? I forget what it's called. Star Allies. Yeah, did you play that one? I tried it, and it, it was fun in co-op, and it was very pretty. Um, definitely a game I would you know, play with my cousins, who are like 9 and 6, so not something I would go out and play on my own. Yeah. But it was good, and uh, I don't think it was worth 80 bucks. Nintendo tends to overprice their games. That's definitely like a $50 game. That's like, a, you know, Toad's Treasure Tracker? Oh, yeah. That's like a $50 game. For the amount of content you get, I think that's fair for Kirby, but then they'd be setting a precedent for future Kirby games. Yeah, exactly. That I was just having this discussion with my brother-in-law about, like, because uh, the new Zelda comes out, mm-hmm. and um, and I, and you know we share a Switch, we share like uh, we we kind of share our Switch accounts, or whatever. So digital, we can share digital games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, do you want to go have these on Zelda? And he's like, ah, oh, I'd rather wait for a sale. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, this like Zelda, this game is never going on sale. And when it does never. go on sale, it'll be like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and yeah, Nintendo really doesn't like their big franchises like Zelda, Mario, Kirby. Um, they they rarely put those games on sale, mm-hmm. and it's really annoying because 
yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest Kirby fan, and I agree with you with with what you said about this this uh, new Kirby game where it's just like it's like a 2D Monster Hunter with no strategy involved. You just mm-hmm. mash the button. It's like it's definitely a mobile game. Like if it was on my phone and I could just play like one thing and then just move on, it'd be different. But you know, on on uh, download it on Switch, and it has. I hate when the console. I hate when games do this in general. But when they have that counter shit, when like you can like you know you have twenty apples or whatever, and it takes five to to do a a, a map, and then you gotta wait for them to like respawn or whatever. I don't think it's the apples that that does that, but the like it's like a time currency. You gotta wait. You can only play so much, and then you gotta stop and wait. Mm-hmm. yeah it definitely that. feels like a mobile game and even then like nintendo's other mobile offerings i really haven't liked like super mario run not a big fan it was like 14 dollars for 10 14 levels yeah. and uh dr mario world came out this year it was all right it had you had five lives and then you had to wait or buy pocket camp was kind of a letdown for me personally they've added a lot to it and some of the events have been cool but I'm just waiting for the new Animal Crossing game. Oh man, I'm forgetting one too because they've done. Uh, there was the Mitomo. Mitomo. Okay, I actually liked Mitomo, and I'm kind of bummed they like canned it, but that was fun for like a couple weeks. That one was just weird. <laughs> it was so weird, and they specifically said it's not a game; it's a social app, and that if you play it like that, where you just ask weird questions of your friends and put on cool costumes and go visit each other, then it's a fun time. Yeah, the, but the problem is like the the me's are tied to like the nicknames. So unless you really know who your friends' nicknames are, um, right? You can't really tell by the me. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I I I for the site I, I posted like my friend code or whatever it was on this the game. So I had like plenty of people from on Twitter just added me, and I'm like I don't know who any of these people are, and the me doesn't help me whatsoever because like all the me's kind of just look the same anyways, or people make mm-hmm. like Goku or some shit in, in the me. Um, yeah, me Tomo. There's an uh, there's a Fire Emblem one too, I think. Of oh yeah, but that's not developed by Nintendo, and the ones not developed by Nintendo are okay. Obviously, Pokemon Go. I had a lot of fun with Pokemon Go because it was made by a legit mobile game development studio, and uh, well, the other one's called something House No. Fire Emblem Heroes is the mobile one. Yeah, I think Fire Emblem Heroes. Three Houses is the new Switch game. Right. And I watched a bunch of my friends play uh, Heroes, and they liked it and had fun with it. But again, not a Nintendo mobile game. So I'm holding out for Mario Kart World Tour got announced. It's coming out next week, I think, for, for mobile. Yeah. And I did like the, the iPhone App Store pre-order thing, so it'll just download and show up when it comes out. But I really like do not enjoy Nintendo's mobile offerings. Yeah, it's yeah they they haven't been great, um, and they've always just been game like the Mario game. I would have rather just had a new two D Mario, you know, and the Fire Emblem. I would have rather just and the Animal Crossing. I would have rather just like Animal Crossing come out sooner. I would have rather Fire Emblem. Would have rather. I'm not a big Fire Emblem guy, so I don't actually don't really care. I think they did well with Mitomo. I feel like they should have done that with uh, with the mobile stuff. It should have been just like the weird kooky Nintendo stuff um, mm-hmm. and not just like crappier mobile versions of their like platforms. I think they're doing a Zelda one too, which, uh, you know, I'm sure will not be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Mario Kart. And like when I got the Mario Kart thing, I was like, I'll download it. But oh my God, I, I Mario Kart on my phone is the last thing I'd want to do. But you know what has been great, Steve? What's that? The new Celeste DLC is freaking amazing. I've been playing it <laughs> since it came out. I'm loving it so much. The new music's really good. The uh, composer, Lena Rain, went in a different direction. She has like a violin and some other stringed instruments on it that really mix it up from the main game, which was mainly like chiptunes and drums and piano. Uh, the levels are ridiculously difficult. I've spent days on a single level, really? but it, does, it doesn't it does feel bad. And this might be a me thing, because I've had other people try to get into Celeste and they don't like it as much, but like I know what I have to do. I can see it, and I just have to execute perfectly. And I try like 200 times, then the one time you get it, you're like, oh, yes. And so I think I'm almost to the end I hope so, um, but I've been playing a lot of that. And the one thing I will say about it is they are not generous with the uh, the save points because 
usually you just save quit to menu and then when I come back it would just put you right on the exact screen you were but with this one the save points are staggered out so I actually lost like four or five levels progress so, since then I haven't let my switch like power off like I've left it on standby because I need to finish this game before I lose a couple levels because I'm hi- fighting for these levels so hard yeah, but you... it's, it's it's excellent mm-hmm. okay I I apologize I said I would play Celeste uh, and I didn't I, I hey, that's keep... okay I said I'd finish a short hike and I didn't so we're good <laughs> there we go yeah we still gotta do the thing um, epic... let me let me just kind of I, I had we we've been doing lately the PSA of like what's free on Epic Game Store, so I'm just going to kind of load up that. Oh, it's game. just I think it's just one game that that one game we weren't sure. It's a I think it's like a first person exploration game. Let me, let me see. I'll check too. Uh, but yeah, last last week was Canarium is is free this week. I'm not sure what that game is. I've never heard of it. I don't know. They have a, and then the coming soon is just a question mark, but it's literally Batman in the in the photo. So I'm guessing it's going to be a Batman game is free. Ooh, maybe the Telltale Batman or yo the first Telltale Batman game is great. It's really. really I never great. finished it. I really liked it. I don't. Did I play the second one? I might have played the second one. It's very un, it's very forgettable if I did play it, but the first one was awesome. Canarium is a Lovecraftian horror adventure game inspired by Lovecraft's novella At the Mountains of Madness. The uh, game is follows four scientists in their endeavor to challenge what we normally consider to be the absolute limits of nature. So that's an interesting premise. Hmm. I, 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 I quote-unquote bought it, or whatever, or downloaded it. Added um, it to your library. Added to my library. And now, I, now I'm on the Epic Game Store, I'm on Steam, I got all these games, I got so many games up the wazoo when the kid is born. By the way, I should probably give a PSA. Um that you know my wife is due any day now well technically october 11th is the due date so it's we're still a month away but um she could be born hey, any day now so i might that's four days after my birthday oh really that's a good time to be born good work steve hey thank you well she might be born <laughs> on your birthday so yo that might be too much at least give us a day of wiggle room my birthday is september 30th there's actually quite a lot of i mean not to not to go into the details but nine months before this time is like new year's eve and christmas and stuff like that so um there's you know my birthday september 30th my brother and my sister-in-law is october 17th uh my wife's dead father is like october 2nd i think or something like that um nice there's a lot of people who have birthdays around this time so my childhood friend's birthday was November 14th, which is nine months to the day after Valentine's Day. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> but it's the due date. Was his, was his due date November 14th? I'm not sure, but that doesn't matter because it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm like, I'm being September 30th, I'm like a New Year's Eve baby. There you go. What was going on nine months ago? Don't know, but someone had a good night. New Year's, New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty uh, five, I guess, was a was a good time for my parents. So the middle of the decade, <laughs> maybe that's why they were just like, yeah, halfway through. Uh, the, speaking of tangents, we mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, so Celeste, is there any other games you've been playing? Um, nope, just playing Matchland every day because I like it a lot. Yeah, I've and it, yeah. yeah too. This Friday, though, I won't be home yet until the week after, but Zelda comes out, so I'm looking forward to picking that up. The Link's Awakening remake for Switch. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend pre-ordered that for me, so I'll be picking that up, and we'll, we're going to play through that together. But that's yeah. what I'm holding out for. i got to get into the 7-Eleven cups or whatever. Yes, have you seen this? yes. I've stopped into four different 7-Eleven, Steve, and they, none of them have had the cup. Okay. I don't know what it is about Midwestern Canada, but I, I guess they don't play video games out here or something because I can't <laughs> find this Link's Awakening cup everywhere. Vancouver, you're my last hope. If I can't find the Zelda 7-Eleven cup, I, I give up. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get one for you. I haven't even like gone into a 7-Eleven. I don't even know where a 7-Eleven is in my area. That's my dog still barking. She's trying to protect my wife. Uh, let's, let's, let me just do... 7-Eleven. I've stopped in every single 7-Eleven I've seen the past couple days, and they've all had just the basic slushy cups. So yeah, there's there's a few actually. Oh wait, I wonder if uh, oh there's one. All right, 
You know what? I'll let you know. I'm, okay, I'm if anyone has it, it's got to be Toronto. I, I've seen tweets from people, like friends of the site and stuff on Twitter, saying that they they had to go to a few 7-Elevens, but they ended up getting it. Good. My dog is going nuts. Uh, I apologize. Um, That's... I platinumed... I can't remember when I did this, but I... Oh, no. Uh, when did I do this? September 7th? Okay, yeah. So I platinumed the Messenger, but I, we're going to do an episode on that. Angel 20, uh, I played more of that. Uh, I was I was all set to buy it, but now with the with the next game that I'll talk about, I... You know, I, I try not to buy big games all at once because it basically just means that one game will just get left alone. So uh, I played NHL 20. I loved it and I want to play more, but I'm just kind of waiting to finish Borderlands 3, which I picked up on Ooh. Friday. Um, Wait, before you get to Borderlands, yeah. have you played as Gritty in NHL 20? No, I never did. No, Steve, please. I need to know how cool Gritty is. <laughs> um, I, I will try. Okay. So how's Borderlands three though? I'm just I'm just texting my wife just to tell her to to uh, to get the talk to calm down. Or give something. the give the dog a big hug. <laughs> give her a give her a hug. Give her a treat or something. Uh, Borderlands three. So there's a lot to be said about how um, Gearbox went went ahead with like marketing this game, like with the review stuff. Like I don't know if you followed it or if other groups followed it, but basically like they kind of were very selective on who got this game ahead of time to review it. Um, and they didn't give it to like other people and, and things like that, which was kind they of They pulled weird. a Bethesda. Yeah, it, it's very, very strange. And then, I mean, the one dude, Randy, what's his name? Randy Pitchford or whatever? Randy, Randy, Randy. Oh, man, this guy, that guy is just nuts. <laughs> he <laughs> like, is. Like, he's, he's kind of a liar. There's a lot of, like, legal issues. And I just want to get this out of the way because it doesn't affect Borderlands 3. But I think, it, you know, sometimes, not that, like, they've done... It's a little bit different when you talk about like separating the art from the artist sort of thing when you're talking about people who have murdered or whatever. But it is like it's something that's on my mind when I'm playing this. When I'm just like, man, they did some sketchy shit, and the dude is just like seems to be kind of a sketchy like, you know, use like the equivalent of a used car salesman, <laughs> but in the gaming world, um, he's a magician. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just very strange. Uh, but anyways, Borderlands 3 in general, you know, it's been six or seven years since the last one, since the number two. 2011, I, right? Or do it, I have that right? It's 2011. Yeah, so eight years. Um, and I, so I was hoping for, you know, more Borderlands 3, but also, like, something significant in terms of, of growth for the series. And it doesn't have that, but it's still, like... It, it looks great. It play, like it plays great. Like the guns is really fun. There's a lot more kind of stuff going on, and and but this it's still it's the same like kind of childish stupid humor and stuff like that. I will say like I'm, I'm playing on PS4 Pro and it does the like I've seen a lot of people complain that it chugs and it I guess it kind of does. It's not really super noticeable to me, and I've always been someone a gamer who kind of doesn't really notice that stuff that well. Um, but what I do notice is the is the menus is just awful. Like they they're so slow oh, no. and oh no, it's just brutal and f- very weird UI where there's only like five menus like you know the map, the log, your items, and the the fifth one is like a guardian rank which is locked until you beat the game. So there's like a significant portion of the UI. Where it's just very strange. You go to it and it's just like this is locked until you beat the game. And I'm like, dude, that's like 30 hours mm. from now. Like, why? Like, can't, why can't I just use this now and just get a bonus when I beat the game or something? But mm-hmm. I mean, it's Borderlands. Like, you know, they they do such a great job with the guns. Like, there's a lot of like cool stuff. Like, I had one gun where when you reload it, you throw it on the ground and it um, it stays there, and then it will kamikaze into an enemy. So it becomes its own like <laughs> grenade thing. So they do a lot of like fun stuff with the guns, and that's that's always been like the best part of Borderlands. Um, mm-hmm. I was hoping it would be more than just like Borderlands Two, but better. And but it's but that's really just what it is. It, do, it doesn't really do anything significantly like amazing. Um, I played mostly solo, but I have played with some friends and it ran fine. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, the the instant stuff is cool, where it's like. I was level 8 or 9, I was playing with my friends who had just started the game, and I was fighting level 8 dudes, and they were fighting level 1 dudes, and the damage was proportional and stuff like that, so that's kind of neat, but I think games do that already. Like I, Yeah, uh, Diablo did that. Yeah, so it's not, it's new to Borderlands, not new to the 
junk like new games. Um, so I'm enjoying it. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's just not like you know after so long. If Borderlands Two is three years ago, then it, it's a different story. But because it's been so long since Borderlands, even like Borderlands pre sequel, I think was only a year after Borderlands Two. Um, this is I mean this is the first Borderlands that's on quote unquote next gen consoles like on mm-hmm. PS4 or Xbox One so you, you're I was just hoping for a little bit more I think and maybe that's still mm-hmm. there because I'm only I'm level 15 that's maybe like mm-hmm. 7 or 8 hours into it mm-hmm. um, so you know it's it's fun it's Borderlands I was just hoping for a little bit more is really what it comes mm-hmm. down to my dog is just something she wants to murder something outside I don't know idea what it is there's an intruder you have to protect your family Steven that's that's why she's always barking because just with like if it's the two of us chilling out there she doesn't really bark outside but if um if it's just one of us she will bark outside so i feel like she thinks that like the two of us can defend and with my wife i think she knows that like my wife's pregnant and it's a little more defensive with her it's very strange dog smart dogs are smarter than i think we give them credit for or that's they are that, or that some people give credit for um, I've read a lot of Borderland Three impressions. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know Jim Sterling. He's an outspoken YouTuber, yeah. who's uh, actually had a like bit of a beef with Randy Fitcher. They've gone back and forth, and it's been kind of funny watching that. Uh, but I, I read his impressions, and a couple other people I, I kind of trust on Twitter, and it's essentially what you've been saying. It's like it's more Borderlands. And Borderlands is fun, but I already played two Borderlands games, so I was kind of hoping for something new. Um, and the the humor, I don't know if people are just over just deadpan memes shoved into their games, but I've, I've, I've read a couple of people like, ah, oh, the humor is kind of cringy. Yeah. I don't know if you found that. No, I, I did. In fact, the, the last mission I just did was... Um was really just super cringe. Like, it was basically, uh, there's a character, Moxie, uh, who, like, owns the bar or whatever and is pretty sexualized, and someone, like, there's basically, the like, an inter- like what I think was supposed to be, like, an internet kind of geek had, like, a quote-unquote battle royale, and the winner of the royale would get to sleep with the geek. And it was a lot of, like, just kind of, stupid jokes around that and stuff and and eventually you like kill the person but it's just it was like it was like oh man like it's just not great <laughs> like humor yeah. at all like it's not a lot of the times it's kind of like it's it, you, you already said this earlier about something else but it's like quantity over quality like they just kind of keep throwing jokes at you and some of them mm. sometimes it's been funny but like you know the messenger was way funnier than borderlands like has has been like there's there's been a few chuckle moments, but nothing like nothing I would call funny or hilarious or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just yeah, it's, sometimes you're playing and you're just like, eh, eh, eh it just it makes you awkward a little bit, even though you're playing a game by yourself or whatever. Um, that's really all I've been playing. Cool. Uh, I think that's it for the episode. Unless there's anything else you want to mention, I'm looking at Seven Elevens that are in my area. Excellent. Yeah, I will be stopping at all the Seven Elevens between Saskatoon and Vancouver. So hopefully, between the two of us, someone yeah. can find this Link's Awakening cup. If, if you get one, let me know because I. Oh, I'm gonna one. get. I'm gonna get a bunch. I'll buy like five slushies, just throw them out, because I just want the cup. <laughs> Although I do like slushies, so that helps. And the guy I'm driving with, Reed, he also likes slushies, so maybe we'll just get two each, and we'll just have a very sugar high drive. There you go. It's like you'll be like Barton, um, Barton Millhouse when they get the slushies or the uh, what I forget what you call it slurpees. Slurpee, or, yeah, yeah. Slurpees at the Quickie Mart. Is it? I know the episode you're talking about where like they get high and they're sitting on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I don't know. I can see sounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you like this episode, maybe give us a review on iTunes or Google or I don't know if you can review stuff on Spotify, but I'm also looking for other places to put this podcast. So if you, if uh, you know, just Google Canadian game devs and you'll take you to all the different places. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can follow Brett at Brett Meeser on Instagram. Um, He was kind of telling us a little bit of his plans in the future and he might have uh, some interesting stuff to show people uh, in the near future, not game related, but Still pretty interesting, uh, Stephen. If people want to follow you and this little road, this can't cross Canada trip, where can they do that? 
Catch me on Twitter at Stephen Riley. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N and Riley's R-E-I-L-L-Y. Uh, and you can catch Red Meat Games at Red Meat Games on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm trying to post there from all the places we're going. But the big place to find all the trip stuff will be YouTube. So YouTube, uh, search for Red Meat Games and subscribe. We'll be putting all the videos there. We're taking a lot of cool videos. Uh, since last time we talked, we went to a former sanatorium in Nanette, Manitoba. And that was probably the one of the scariest nights of my life. Like walking around, it was at night, it was raining. We were by ourselves using like cameras as a flashlight. Yeah. And it some of those rooms were straight out of like Outlast or Silent Hills. Like it was really scary. So that's gonna be probably a good episode. So if you're interested in seeing that, find it on uh, YouTube slash Remy Games. I just subscribed, and you should too. Um, Yay! Yeah, and and uh, if you like the show, you want to help support the site, you can go do so at patreon.com slash devs. We'll be at EGLX with some swag as well. Uh, we also have a Discord and things like that, but share uh, share the site with your friends, and uh, you know, rate us on iTunes, all that stuff. Just Google Canadian Game Devs, it'll tell you where to go. And uh, we'll see you next week. Maybe Brett will be here, maybe not. He still has a post in that chat. It's kind of, it's what I wonder what I wonder what de- went down. Something happened. Maybe we'll find out next week. Anyways, we'll see you next week. Bye.